Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. First Corinthians chapter 5, we'll get right into the word. First Corinthians chapter 5, Bavakasha. You can turn in your scriptures. First Corinthians chapter 5. I love the word of God. Amen. New members, know this about your new rabbi, is that he loves God's word. Uh, rabbinic commentary is all well and good, but it's the word of the Lord that stands forever. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, please, verse 6 says this, your boasting is no good. Don't you know that a little chametz leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old chametz or yeast, so you may, have a, so you may be a new batch just as you are unleavened. For Messiah, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. How very interesting, just a little yeast, for those of you who cook, Leavens the whole batch of dough. Just a little bit of the chametz. And it's a message that certainly is apropos around Passover time. And I know that's the wrong holiday. But I think it relates to what I'm going to be sharing about here today. Okay, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. The cat is coming out of the Meow, There it goes. The cat just came out of the bag. <laughs> Brandon's like, oh, no, please. <laughs> this, past, uh, this past January, I gave a very, it was an unusual and a special sermon and it's available on YouTube. In it, I shared how easy it is for us to get close, to get close to doing the right thing, but yet still being far enough away that it's not right and that it is, in fact, wrong. You know what I'm talking about, where, where you could be close, but not quite really there, and in doing so, be very, very wrong, even though you're close. Things like what? Things I talked about in January were things like Cain's sacrifice. I mean, Cain made a sacrifice. That's a good thing. He was close, but it wasn't the right sacrifice. And man, boy, when he was corrected, he overreacted, didn't he? Oh, boy. And so it was wrong. It was wrong. There's just no two ways about it. It was wrong, even though it was, he was in the ballpark, uh, like I talked about King Saul's sacrifice, another sacrifice, King Saul's sacrifice, where, where we, he said, oh, I'll bring it to, you know, sacrificing to God is good. That's a good thing. See, it was a good thing. He was close, but mm, no, no, obedience is better than sacrifice, God said, right? You know, you were being disobedient to me, right? And so it was close, but no, and in fact, it was actually wrong, not just, mm, no, no, it was wrong, even though it may have looked really, really, really close. 
you have to really, really pay attention to the details to make sure you get it right. In life, y'all, you gotta pay attention to the details to make sure you get it right. Otherwise, although what you do may seem good, it is actually backwards. And that was the title of my message was Backwards. And uh, because too often we get things that are close but not quite right, they're actually backwards. And the, me- and the message was, inspi- was inspired in part by the fact of our menorah, which is right over here, because for, for this menorah, I gotta tell you right here, this menorah, God bless it. This menorah, which has been up on our stage for forever, literally, right? My mom got these in an antique dealership. Uh, for years, somebody came up to me last year and said, Rabbi, what's the reason that the menorah on the left-hand side is backwards? Is there a reason for that? Is that some kind of tradition? And I said, what? what, what, what? Are you kidding me? What? What do you mean it's backwards? And I came and I looked and it was like, oh, it was backwards. And I thought, oh my gosh, I, you know, I, how could I not have noticed that the menorah was backwards? We're talking about years, the menorah on the left was backwards. It was back, it was backwards. Unbelievable. It looked right. It looked right, but it wasn't right. It wasn't right. And I said back in January, at some point this year, I would flip it back around so that it was facing the front. And at that time, I went back and listened to my message. (laughs) I predicted that many of you would not notice. So perhaps you noticed and did not say anything to me, but I flipped it back around. So it's facing the right direction now. That's right, it is facing the right. It's so funny because after January, I had people almost every week come up to me. I'm telling you, February, March, April, every week someone would come up to me. Well, Rabbi, it's not flipped back around yet. And I said, no, it sure isn't. Mm-hmm. No, it sure isn't. It's like we, the next week, you know, somebody else said, well, I'm keeping my eye on that menorah. It's not flipped back around. I said, you're right. It's not flipped back around. It's still facing the wrong direction. That's right. February, March, April, after the message, May kind of fades out. June, uh, maybe one person. By July, nobody mentioned it to me anymore, really. Nobody mentioned it to me. So I bided my time with it, bided my time. I said I was going to flip it at some point, and I predicted not many people would notice. And sure enough, uh, I flipped it around, and I, I've had a total of four people who noticed and said something to me or emailed me, four people. Now, I have to say, of those four people, too, I kind of disqualify two of them. Why? Because they were musicians who were on the stage playing right beside the menorahs. So I'm not really counting those two people. And so really, there were only two other people who, who noticed. And one of them is an eye doctor. <laughs> I can't make this stuff up, y'all. It was like, are you kidding me? The guy who says, okay, A or B, A or B, okay, A or B, look closely, look closely, A or B, can you, can you make it out? The eye doctor note, I was like, I laughed so hard. Dr. Lou emailed me, man, I just thought that was, so, I said, the, the eye doctor is the one who notices. It's like unbelievable, it's so cliche almost, you know, the eye doctor picked up on it. Unbelievable, so hardly anybody 
Sam's another one. Uh, notice this, all right? But, but, but here's the thing, friends, is that you see it is facing the right direction right now. But here's the key is it's not the first Shabbat the menorah has been turned in the right direction. That's right. It was turned in the right direction also last Shabbat. This is not the first Shabbat. I turned it around a couple weeks ago uh, to the right direction. And so it's been facing the right. So I, I wanted to give it I wanted to give it a full Shabbat for people to notice and to see how many people would make note of it. And, uh, and, and, and also, for that matter, <laughs> of the four people that did notice that I had turned it to face the front correctly, not even all of them noticed that I turned the other one around backwards. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, so the four people who did notice, not even all of them, they, they, they made note of, wow, you flipped the menorah back to the front. And I said, you're right, you're right. But, but uh, not all of them mentioned, but, but the other one is now backwards. That's right, they didn't mention that. You know, but, but here we are, this menorah. If you'll notice, and you say, well, what's the difference? You're looking for, eh, for me, this, listen, I, I don't, nobody here, there's no judgment here, okay? There's nobody who's gonna get in trouble for this. And, and if you haven't been here for the last, you know, Couple of weeks, okay, whatever. It, it's it's not a big deal. But uh, these bars right here uh, should be in the back. These these pretty little finial things here should be in the front. That's that's the the difference here. You'll see, uh, and we'll get the camera shot, of course, also of the of the other one there. You can see it's a little bit different with the the wings or feathers or whatever are in the front. The front is the way it should be, right? And by the way, it was this way last Shabbat as well. Uh, I'd already flipped this one backwards. Uh, last Shabbat, even though I wasn't, I turned out not being here. I was supposed to be here. We had Rabbi Alex. He was wonderful, of course. Uh, I had a little cold, but in any case, uh, all, all better now. But, but you can look on our YouTube stream last week, and I looked last week, and I was like, hey, whenever they got a close-up of the drummer of the keyboard player, you could see, yeah, that's, that's definitely that way. Well, uh, today is part two of that message. So today is part two of the message from January, okay, that you that maybe didn't even know there would be a part two. Today is part two of that message. They are connected. Why? Because some of you have made some good decisions in life. Uh, maybe you've even come a long way in areas in your life where you've struggled before, but you've come a long way in certain areas. And listen, that's good. But beloved, remember this, even a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough. It doesn't take much. It can be something small. But if you don't pay attention to it, if you're not focused on the details, right, just that little yeast gets in the batch, and man, it leavens up the whole dough. And of course, it doesn't, it's not instant. When you throw the yeast in, it's not like poof, everything is already fully leavened. What? As it kind of stirs and mixes in, right? And it's then boom, everything starts to rise. That's what happens. It, it kind of works its way in there. And that's what sin does and disobedience to God does is it works its way into the mix. My parents, I remember, I've talked about my parents a little bit today. My parents had been believers a few years. And this story is way back before Bethlehel. Okay, way before Bethlehel was, was started. And they were in a congregation that they were a part of. They had come to faith in, in Messiah by this time, uh, and uh, they had uh, 
lived their lives as you know, primarily secular Jewish people, and, 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 they, and they came to faith, and they were part of a congregation, and, and in this congregation, this again before Bethlehem, uh, into the service that week, uh, some missionaries came in uh, to speak, and these missionaries came from a very impoverished country. And it came time for the offering, and they were receiving a special offering for these missions work people who were from this very impoverished country. I don't remember exactly where it was uh, with the story. And, and, and when the offering time came, the Lord impressed upon my mother. My mom, said, my mom recounted this story. The Lord had kind of impressed on her, and she felt it to give the missionary wife the beautiful amethyst ring on her finger. So my mom was sitting there in the, in the pew, and, 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 and as these, these, these people, this couple shared about their work and what they were doing, and the offering was getting ready to be received, my mom had this impression, give that woman, give that wife the amethyst ring that's on your finger right now. You give that to her. And my mom, of course, uh, as you know, one of the wisest people I've ever known and a, a legend in the Messianic movement history and, and very profoundly deep spiritual, she immediately debated God. <laughs> she debated God. And, 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 she, and this was her line of thinking. Her line of thinking was, what would she do with a, a large amethyst ring in her missions work? I mean, think about that. I mean, if she's working with impoverished people, she's not going to be wearing some bling. She didn't use that word. I, she didn't use that word. I, I'm using that word. She, she's not going to need some bling, you know, some, a big amethyst ring. What, we'll just give an offering instead. We'll just make an offering uh, into the offering. And that's what she said. And, and you have to understand, friends, I mean, I hope you know this. Listen, my parents weren't bad people. My parents were wonderful people. First of all, they were following God. Okay, they were, they were believers. They were following God. Secondly, they were in the house of the Lord. So already they're way ahead of a lot of people, right? First of all, they believe in God. A lot of people, second, they, they were in the house of the Lord. Thirdly, they were giving an offering to these people above their tithes. They were giving sacrificially. So they were doing a lot right. No question. They were doing a lot of things right. But mom did not give her the ring, even though she felt the Lord impress upon her to do so. And as mom recounted the story, it was not long after that she never saw the ring again. So she would not give up that ring, and the Lord took that ring from her. A little Comets, a little yeast. The menorah looked really good, but upon closer inspection, it was actually not quite right. It, it glistened nicely. It had the candles. It had some shine to it, but as lovely as it is, it wasn't quite right. James chapter 2. Yaakov, James chapter 2, verse 19. For many years, this was actually my favorite verse in the whole Bible. This was my favorite verse. It's an unusual favorite verse. 
James 2.19 says, you believe that God is one. You believe in one God, other translations say. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. <sighs> Powerful little scripture there. has so much in it. Listen, uh, as you hear Yaakov James saying, it's good you believe in God. It's good. That's a good thing. Good job. Good job. You're ahead of the atheists. <laughs> okay, that, that's, that's true. It's a good thing. You believe in God. That's good. Fair enough. But don't become self-congratulatory. Well, I, I believe in God. Even the demons believe in God. <laughs> I love that. It's a, it's a very in-your-face passage there. For people to say, well, I believe, you know, you know in, in America, everybody, you know, not everybody, but you go to an average school or something, or you go to your work, most people would still claim that they believe in God, even if they don't, but they don't. They don't serve him. They don't, they don't follow him. They don't follow his instructions. They don't come to God's house regularly. I mean, come on. They don't commit their ways, you know, they, they commit their possessions to God. No, it's a lot of lip service. That's what James said. You believe there's one God, great job. You're doing well. The demons believe that. In other words, don't rest on your laurels. You can't just brush the picture of your life with a broad stroke. The details matter. And you can so easily go along in life not realizing that one of your menorots are backwards. It's really easy to go through life not realizing it. Revelation chapter two, please, Revelation two. One of the other things I love about that James scripture is that it says the demons believe, but it says, and they shudder. <laughs> other translations say they tremble. I do love that, you know, it's like, it's like Jacob could not help but, but take a shot at the adversary there and, the, and show the dominance of God. He said, yeah. First, he's given it to the believers, right? Or people who claim they, they believe in God. Hey, the demons believe that. But then he had, and they tremble. <laughs> Beautiful. Showing the supremacy of God, right? Okay, Revelation chapter 2. Listen to the prophecy to the congregation in Ephesus. And I'd like to emphasize this. <laughs> Sorry, that was very bad. Listen, I'm... <laughs> I, yeah. You already joined. <laughs> Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. I know all about your deeds and your toil and your patient endurance. Wow. And that you cannot bear those who are evil. Yeah. You have tested those who call themselves emissaries and are not, and have found them to be liars. Yes, you have perseverance, yes, and have endured for my name's sake. All right, and you have not grown weary. You, praise God. But this I have against you. You've forsaken your first love. Remember then from where you've fallen. Repent and do the deeds you did at first. If not, I'll come to you and remove your menorah from its place unless you repent. Friends, the folks from Ephesus did a lot of good things. The kahila, the congregation of Ephesus, did a lot of things right. 
a lot. Did you see the list? It was a great list. Friends, we can even sometimes do the right things, though, for the wrong reasons. It's better than doing the wrong things, of course, but it will lead to a place of spiritual lethargy if we're doing the right things for the wrong reasons, because that'll eventually lead us to simply go through the motions. You know, a lot of believers do that, y'all, simply going through the motions. There's got to be more depth than that, because that's also backwards. I think the pandemic made a lot of people lose focus. They became spiritually aimless, right? And almost on cruise control in so many ways. Their passion was gone. Don't forsake your first love, your heavenly Abba. Remember when you first came to faith and were zealous for God? Return to this attitude of a zealousness for the Lord, of a passion for God. So many houses of worship are, are, have, have open spaces where people were pre-pandemic. So many. The majority. And what happened? People lost their, their focus. They lost their aim. They lost their passion. And it was just a little bit easier to kind of stick with the habit of not coming. Hmm. We had, uh, I alluded to it a little bit earlier, we had a great prayer meeting this week with the remote Beth Hillel members. We had people on the call from the West Coast. We had people on the call from the Midwest. We had from the North Carolina. Beth Hillel members from all over, we all got together. I didn't announce it to the whole congregation. I just sent it to only our remote members who were out of town. We had a prayer meeting and a schmooze time. And it was a lot of fun. First time we had done this, it was a real blessing to have everybody all together there from away. And, and during this prayer meeting, which I thought was just wonderful, one person prayed, and when they prayed, they prayed specifically for the mishpacha that we're doing a lot here at Beth Hillel. They, they prayed, and we didn't tell them what to pray, you know, other than just a general topic, but, but, uh, but they prayed, Lord, please bless all the people who are so active, busy, doing a lot at Bethel because we know that there's some people who are doing just a lot right there. And then they prayed for others to rally and pick up the slack as we all need to be involved. This was their prayer. I mean, they were remote. But they said in their prayer, there was, there was a, a knowledge and an acknowledgement that, that a, a disproportionate fell on a small group of people or a smaller group of people who were doing a lot of work and then a lot of other people were kind of not. And their prayer was that more would get involved to help. And I was touched by this prayer. And, and the truth is that when our menorots are aligned correctly, first, we are doing things for the Lord and secondly, when we are doing these things for the Lord and for other people, we're doing them for the right reasons, right? We are doing things for God. Friends, it's the month of Elul. We are here in Elul. It's the month immediately preceding the High Holy Days. You heard the shofar blow a, a little bit earlier that Dr. Susan blew. It is said during the month of Elul that the king is in the field, talking about 
the, our almighty king, Melech HaMachim. And soon he will be on his judgment throne. And in life, judgment comes, right? But while he is now so, and that represents, of course, Yom Kippur, but, but now while he is so readily amongst us, let us seek him earnestly and fervently now. It's time to commit to do things the right way. Someone say amen. And remember this. See, this is an important nuance here that we have to remember. Most people, most people, including myself, didn't notice that that menorah had been backwards for years. <laughs> it was a subtle thing. It's not a big thing. I mean, even some of you out there are probably like, hold on, honey, can you see it? I don't see the difference. What, what is that? <laughs> so you, some of you are going to come up on stage and say, hold on, let me look. Oh, I see. Okay, you're welcome to come up on stage after the service or take a look at YouTube. You'll see the difference. There's a difference, right? But most people, including myself, didn't notice for years that that menorah was backwards. I stand up here every week. I'm the rabbi for crying out loud. I mean, it's part of my job to make sure the menorah is facing the front. It's really not in my job description, but you understand my point. <laughs> You'd think if anybody had noticed, it would be me. And most people didn't notice. I flipped it around forward. And then even some of those eagle eyes that noticed that didn't notice I flipped the other one around backward. <laughs> the point is here, the point is Friends, it's so easy to miss things in our lives that are backwards if they are close. You with me on this? It's really easy to miss it. So if you're out there thinking, well, I don't know, I don't know if I have anything in my life that's backwards and it's not quite, that's not right. You may be close, but you may not be seeing it. After all, the menorah is in the correct place. It's in the correct place. It, sh it shines nicely. Its decorations are almost indistinguishable from the other side. And yet, it's wrong. It's wrong. It's not the way it's supposed to be. James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Yaakov, back to James chapter 2. That's my favorite New Covenant book, James chapter 2. Verse 15 says this, If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in shalom, keep warm and well fed, but you do not give them what the body needs, what good is that? So also faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. No. See, no, beloved. This has so many applications to us in the whole context. No, my friends. Wishing, wishing that Bethel has plenty of greeters or ushers or sound engineers or visual presentation techs or own egg leaders is all well and good. But let me tell you something better. Serving. Better than hoping someone's surgery went well, is to call them and ask them about how it went and pray with them. Better, better than hoping that someone got help to move is to offer to help them move. 
better than simply saying you trust your finances to God is to tithe faithfully. Better than merely not hating a relative who is not nice to you is to reach out to them in love and pray blessings upon them. Better than hoping people feel welcomed is to invite somebody to lunch. Do you get the point? Go in shalom. Keep warm and well-fed. It's not necessarily an evil thing to say. You know, it's, it's not evil to say, go in peace. Yeah, yeah, well, listen, go in peace. You know, stay warm and well-fed. There's, there's nothing like per se evil about it. It's, 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 maybe it was a kind thought. But the menorah is backwards. But it's hard to notice. It's just a little hummet. It's just a little yeast. Are you with me? It's just a little yeast. That's not quite right. That is not up to the standard that we should have if we're really trying to follow God. Nobody's going to be perfect. There's only one. Yeshua, right? Was perfect. We're not going to be perfect. But that doesn't relieve this of the... Uh, of the requirement to try, to try and to work at it and to grow. And by the way, forgive other people who don't meet that standard. Because then what are you doing? You're, you're judging. My dad used to say, you point your finger at somebody, you got multiple fingers pointing back at you. It's, it's not about pointing your fingers at others. It's looking at yourself. Leviticus 24, please. Leviticus 24. <laughs> because in conclusion, friends, the menorah is an important item. The menorah is an important item. Leviticus 24 verse 1 says, Then Adonai spoke to Moshe, to Moses, saying, Order B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel, to bring to you pure olive oil, beaten for the light to keep a lamp burning continually. Outside of the curtain of the testimony, that's where the Ark of the Covenant is held, in the tent of meeting, that's the tabernacle or later the temple, Aaron is to keep it in order, talking about the menorah, the oil, to keep it in order from evening to morning before Adonai continually it is to be a statue forever throughout your generations. He is to keep the lamps in order on the pure gold menorah before Adonai continually. See, the menorah was lit in the tabernacle and then later in the temple continually. Instead of wax candles, they were oil lamps, right? but similar with kind of like a flower motif at the top as the scriptures talked about. And they were to be lit continually inside the, the tabernacle and then the temple. And actually, it's interesting because so much in Messianic Judaism is show and tell, as you probably know, and, and, and represents and is symbolic. And, and even as much as these menorot that we have are beautiful and, and, are, and are similar in many ways, uh, although they're not gold, okay? Uh, don't, they're not pure gold, okay? So don't worry about that. Uh, but the point is, is that although they're similar, similar and symbolic in many ways of the menorot that were in the temple, 
truly the, the most significant representation of the light that was the menorah, that was in the menorah, the light that always was in the temple, was actually the Ner Tamid, the eternal light that's up here. That's actually what represents the menorah, because not all synagogues have menorahs up here, of course, but almost all synagogues in front of the ark is going to have, in front of the parochet, the, the curtain and such, is going to have the Ner Tamid, the eternal light, which is always lit, if you will. Here's the point, though, friends. The point is, is that the menorah provided light. It provided illumination. So, Chavarim, how much more so should we pay attention to that in our lives that shines light? As I think about the menorah that's backwards, and the menorahs that are in our lives, the things in our lives that are just not quite right. The things in our lives that are close, but mm, no cigar. <laughs> Areas in our lives where we think we may have it and where we're maybe really close, but something's not right. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's not being considerate enough. Maybe it's not following the leadings of the Lord. Think about it. Why? Because it's a lul. This is the month to be focused every month. But as we enter into this holiday season, we need to examine our menorah and the different menorahs of our hearts. We need to like really start examining and looking inside at things that we think look right but may not be exactly right. Maybe it's your prayer life. Maybe it's your reading the word life. Because you may just find that in certain areas of your life, you may need to make some adjustments. You may even need to do this. This candle tilts about every two weeks, and I fix it. <laughs> There's a lesson there too, huh? Some of us in our lives may have areas where that's what we have to do. We have to turn it forward, where we have to flip the menorah back around. Why? It may not seem like much, and it may be hard to notice, but in some areas, you may have that menorah backwards, and if so, you need to turn it around. As you may have guessed, the title of my message is Two Trap Straw Cab, which is Backwards, part two, backwards. <laughs> Somebody pray for the rabbi. Let's bow our heads, y'all. Let's bow our heads. <laughs> Let's bow our heads. 
Oh, Lord, we pray for the rabbi here at Bethel. Help him, help him, Lord, help him. <laughs> uh, I want to ask this. I want to ask if there's anybody here who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart. If you're here and you've never said a prayer to commit your life to God, but you want to, raise your hand and we'll have a simple prayer. If that's you and you've never said yes to God, how about today? Maybe you're living a good life. Maybe you're a good person. I'm a good person. I, I, you know, I, don't, I don't hate people. I, don't, I hadn't hit anybody over the head with a tire iron. That's good. Your menorah is pretty good. I mean, it's better than most. I believe in God. Good, good. Even the demons believe. The menorah is close, but it's not right. So if you're here and you haven't committed your life to God, haven't said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart, but you want to today, raise your hand and, and we'll have a simple prayer. Is there anyone? Lord, I want to pray for each and every person here today who has an area in their life where they need to flip their manure around. <laughs> An area that I don't know what their area is. Everybody's got different areas. I tend to think that most of us have areas. But some areas in our lives are just kind of obvious and is very evident and clear and that of course you got of course this is wrong. And of course you need to change this in your life. Of course. There are areas like that, sure. I, that's not the areas I'm talking about. I'm talking about areas that you really don't tend to think that you're not right in. Because you're, you have a menorah up. It's maybe shining light. It's, uh, it's, it's shining itself. It's in the right spot. Yeah. A lot of good things. My parents were, were given this, this, this wonderful person who was given their lives to God in the, in the field. They were giving them a, a generous offering. But it's, that wasn't what God asked for. If there are areas like that in your life, first of all, I'll tell you a bold thing to do. If nothing comes to mind, ask the Lord to show you. Lord, reveal to me areas in my life where my menorah is backwards and I haven't noticed. It was years this menorah was backwards. I didn't notice years. say, God, please send your Ruach, your spirit to show me. Mm. Tell me, Lord, yourself. What area in my life that my menorah is not, is, is askew, is not quite right. It's different for everybody. Lord, I pray for each person here, and I pray for any of these areas, Lord, that we will have the courage to look at things honestly, and then to flip the menorah back around front. Help us, God. Help us, Lord. Help us be honest. Help us be uh, vulnerable. And help us be a seeker of truth in that way so that we will do what we ought to be doing. Help us, Lord God. Help us all. I thank you for this, Lord. I thank you for this, God. Give us that attention to detail in our lives that we need. Lord, we bless you for this, and we love you, and we thank you for these things. B'Shem Yeshua, in the name of our Messiah, Yeshua, we pray, amen, and amen.
Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.